Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. You're listening to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. The podcast for the legendary whitetails and we got a legendary one coming up right here we got a buck on public with a bow out of a boat <laughs> i don't know what else you could ask for for a cool kid episode right man. I'm, I'm all about this this is sitka uh, yeah this is this is preston hall dude is solid about hunting whitetails you can you can just when you talk to a guy you can tell when he's got his shit together and this dude knows how to get it done um Said he has five deer over 170 already, and this one net 196 and five eighths. He didn't even that say what it grossed. I mean, no, yeah, it just it's not just, even off hair. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask like how wide it was because this is like uber wide. Yeah. I don't even know, but um, we get into this episode, we break down a lot of tactics um, that I didn't really think about that are it's going to help me be a better hunter. So I know there's some in here that's going to help you be a better hunter. Um, uh, Huge shout-out. We get a lot of messages. You guys are really loving this Legend series. This is something we wanted to try out, and um, I'm proud to say it's something that's not going to go away. We're going to keep doing these. we got a lot of them lined up. I'm trying to break up the monotony and not make it all about giant whitetails, but uh, that's what people want to hear. That's what people want to hear, and we, sure. we really enjoy these episodes. So uh, let's get into the people that make this possible and get into the show. Got the VIP veteran broadhead we i keep saying that but i was say i was wondering if we can just say like VIP. veteran broadhead you VIP. know like we should just say vip yeah vip we should just start saying vip but um uh vip matt and cindy <laughs> they Rock got solid. the veteran and the combat veteran um word from matt is a lot of people stepping up to the 125 combat veteran this year so that's something that you might be interested in um, interchangeable heads now, so you can get the 125 if you're interested. Do you have the VIP veteran brought shout out? Yeah, this week's VIP. I, I'm gonna say we need to almost change this and just do you know the VIP the, shout out. Yeah, the VIP shout out. Um, this week's VIP shout out is um, Veterans Creed Outdoors. Um, this is kind of a special shout out from our friend David Cagle. Um, he didn't ask for this. We're just doing this, you know, because we follow David. Um, he's with a new organization that he started by himself 
and um, you know, new new beginnings from from you know a passion that's you know just vested within David. Um, he was with a different organization, and you know, different paths um, come about, and you know, David's on this path now. So he just has a burning desire for helping out fellow veterans, which David is a veteran himself, which is super cool. And um, I tell you what, guys, that page has been fairly new, and I think they've given away two, maybe three hunts. I know at wow. least two hunts, you know, two veterans. And um, it's been super cool that, you know, even though he's been, you know, not on the best path or, you know, kicked down or, you know, everybody's vision's different, you know, that he is still went over all them hurdles and still, is still, his dream. still is trying to, to help fellow veterans out. So, um, give them a like on Facebook, follow them and, um, you know, see the good in the world and the hunting industry. Yeah, man. Shout out to you, David. You, we've been friends for a while and, uh, you're always doing something for others. And that's something that some people don't, don't look at, but we, uh, we over here at uh, WLP are trying to, trying to give you a shout out man because yeah, you deserve trying to highlight it. the yeah. positive yeah, you know for sure let's get into ingram's outdoor obsession um he's knocking out the bucks from this year i've been seeing some posts We're, we got him in the secret snapchat group mm -hmm. so we get the low low key intel but uh he's he's knocking out the bucks from this year so be cool to to get a couple back and See if we can have room in this, this <laughs> what is this closet? What is this closet studio that we got going on? I don't here? know what it is, but uh, yeah, hopefully we can chuck them in here somewhere. So people are like, man, they must have like thirty bucks in the wall. <laughs> no, only five, and we're max capacity. <laughs> <laughs> only one's really taking we got, up that yeah, considerable we put them on amount the floor. of space. <laughs> uh, ECW calls all your custom call needs. He just had another. Uh, make of the wit the whiskey barrel calls i just seen that so if you guys are into duck hunting and want to maybe do a special gift for someone that's in the duck hunting that's kind of a custom deal um the whiskey barrel calls um i love that he puts the wood shavings in there and yeah, it just smells so like badass. whiskey when you open it up so check him out um exodus cameras um we're still running the cameras still rock solid you gotta know when them sheds drop you yeah, know what i mean? know like the ones we have out like I went and pulled some of the other ones, and I, and like I don't even worry about the Exodus are still running. Like yeah. I'm not even worried about them. Like I know that they're still there. No, I mean we we need check them, and it just gives you, you know, well I got forty percent battery life left. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're solid. You're solid for a while. So yeah, they're still out there, and uh, we're we're excited to to come back in and then let you know how they did in this really really cold temps that we've been having. I would say so. it's been a warm January, so yeah. you know we're really getting into a little bit of lower temps than we yeah. had in January. So, yeah. So we'll be able to touch back on that, um, in the coming episodes and let you guys know how, how those cams did in the, the real, real late season. And this week again, um, before we get into the show, we just want to shout out that we were on the last breath hunt cast again, talking about another hunter versus, um, this time between the bow and the gun. Um, you got anything over there, gun guy? Oh, I love, I love them. I kill them whatever I can. So, <laughs> yeah, we sure. got to, we got to break down. You know, there's a lot of hate, I think, between the gun hunters and the bow hunters, and we got to kind of go on each side and talk about how one side says stuff about the other side, and et cetera, et cetera, and um, break down kind of how we feel about it. And uh, I think it it turned out really good. Um, <clears throat> it's good to talk about this with other people and. I mean, there is there is some some strife there, whether people want to you know want to break it down or not. But the the last breath guys aren't afraid to to get in the nitty gritty and break it down. So for sure, and I think it's another way for you know you guys to be able to um, learn about how Cody and I view things, and you know learn more about us as hunters and um, our different opinions on things. So if you're not subscribed. Go ahead and subscribe. They're pretty much everywhere we are. So um, go out and check out the Last Breath Huntcast. All right. Uh, let's get into the show. You guys are really going to enjoy this one. All right. We got a good one coming for you. We got Preston Hall from Arkansas, but he's in New York right now. <laughs> How's it going tonight, man? It's pretty good. How about y'all? We're doing good. We're uh, we're 
we just ran the heater for about 10 minutes so it's <laughs> nice and warm in the studio for about 25 minutes yeah. but but uh man we appreciate you coming home i seen your buck on social and just an absolute giant um so i had to get you on to the legend series and to let you tell your story i'm glad i'm glad y'all have me i'm yeah. enjoying to be here so uh, you're uh, you're a lineman by trade. You're up in in New York, but uh, go ahead and give the listeners a little bit more info of uh, who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm a lineman by trade. Uh, I work for the IBEW. I travel all over the country, working various states, and uh, I chose this trade many years ago when uh, working locally as a union and wanted to venture out and and uh, make more contacts and see part of the country and. Uh, I've always been a big avid outdoorsman and hunter, and I like to hunt all over the country. And couldn't find a better job that let me travel around and scout around and and get paid to do it. You know, so uh, that's where I'm at, and it's where I've been for a few years, and it's paid off well for me in the last several years. Man, it doesn't sound like you need to travel much. There's right out your back door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's but, pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool that you get to. You know, you're traveling, but you're using that time to kind of scout areas and. Maybe you can make yep. a plan to go back there. That's a good way to look at it. When I travel, I'm kind of just pissed and sitting in the hotel. I should be out there, you know, doing more scouting. I did do some shed hunting. You did, you did. Um, last year and, and trying to get that, but uh, it's it's a good outlet to look as you're like, man, I'll travel on these guys, make money, and get to scout stuff that I might get to hunt this year. So that's right. I I usually try to find me a state that I ain't hunted in or area that I like to hunt in. Then I'll look around in that area and see if I can find me a job pretty close by. That way I can go scout when I get ready. This guy, Heck yeah. This guy's got to figure this it out. This guy is <laughs> living the life, man. <laughs> you got to figure it out. So Turkey hunting and, and whitetail deer is my passion. Heck yeah, man. You're I talking... try to pinpoint them and, and help myself out all at the same time, you know? Yeah, you can't, you can't beat that kind of lifestyle. We're, we're, uh, we're deep into it, too, and I, like I say a lot, I talk to people that aren't into it, and I'm like, I don't even understand, like, what you guys do like what do you guys do for fun (laughs) we watch football i'm like cool you know like that that ain't doing it for me but uh let's 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 get into the story here you killed a buck um called big boy but like you said you're hunting the big boys so uh but this is an arkansas river bottom buck i'm super jacked for this story because uh i know there's a lot going into it um just go ahead and break it down from day one uh, of finding this deer and hunting him well it's been about a three-year quest. Um, I've hunted the, the same spot, you know, same area within a couple hundred yards since 2014, and uh, have many good deer on camera and have killed several good deer out of that same area. And uh, this one buck just stuck out to me when uh, just a mainframe ten-pointer, uh, three year, or last year, and he had split brows. And uh, I started hunting him pretty hard and. I hunted him several weeks at a time and couldn't really couldn't really get on him like I wanted to because I was uh, working in South Florida at the time and the odd schedule. I couldn't just come home and stay home like, like I like to do during that time of the year. And it just didn't work out for us. I, I seen him a couple of times, got lots of pictures of him and just couldn't make it happen. And uh, got in there after him this year, got several good pictures of him all year long. I'd come home during throughout the summertime and the spring, and I'd go down there and I'd just sit till dark, you know, half a day, and wait for him to come out in the field, see if I could see him, watch him, see what he turned out to be. And uh, he turned out to be a giant this year. I mean, he just really he got real heavy, got a lot of mass on him, he got a lot of width. Um, his left side pretty well stayed the same. He only gained one point on his left side, and his right side just blowed up. You know, he got. His, his uh, right brow time blowed up. He got five points coming off of it. Uh, he got some stickers coming off of that side also. He just become an absolute giant. And I said, well, I got to get my ducks in a row and get this season planned, and I need to go home. You know, about October, about a week or two before Halloween, I get in there on him, and I'll kill him. And uh, I looked up, and that happened, you know. Uh, I, I come home. I went and worked in Gilman, Illinois. Um, I started up there in September, hunted a little while, run some trail cameras up there while I was working, and I seen some good bucks on some public ground I was on. Nothing that that really caught my eye to to get my mind off that big deer at home. So 
on the 21st of October, I come home for good. I told the work I was doing up there in Illinois, I told him I wouldn't be back. <laughs> not till after the first year for sure. So I went home the 21st of October, went in there and checked all my cameras and I uh, started hunting. I hunted the 23rd and the 24th and didn't see him, hadn't had him on camera in the last three or four days. So I went over to another spot that I seen him a lot in and hunted over there on the 26th. Never did see him come down, went and checked my cameras at my other stand. Sure enough, he was in there at eight o'clock on the 26th. I was sick then. I was like, man, I I could have had him this morning, you know. And it was a little bit of that early pre-rut had a good little cold front come in and had a lot of bucks on her feet. But I was I was gonna kill that deer. And I wasn't gonna kill another one until I killed him, you know. And I started hunting him at the same stand pretty hard. Uh, I hunted in there every day from the 27th, uh, from daylight till dark, all the way until this is the 27th of October. I hunted daylight to dark all the way until the 20th of November. And uh, the 20th of November, I had only seen him three times from October all the way for a month. And uh, I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get down and look around, check some more cameras and see if I need to move or whatever. I went and checked some cameras and he was on that far end that morning. And I stayed where I was at, come back in there and hunted. And uh, on the 23rd, I was sitting there. I got there about an hour before daylight, about 7.30. He come through with three does and come right up there within 20 yards, same way he always come, traveled edge that little ridge and uh, never would stop, just constantly walking, just staying at a steady pace behind them does. And uh, got on out of sight, and I kept sitting there again. And I seen him at 3 o'clock with them same three does coming back through, going back to that slough. And uh, where I hunt at, it's pretty well surrounded by water. You got the river on one side and a big slough on the other side. And uh, they just travel that little corridor back and forth in between the river and the sloughs. And uh, <clears throat> couldn't make it happen that afternoon. I sat all the way till dark, and I went home. And I told my wife, I said, uh, you ain't going to believe what happened today, but he was in 20, within 20 yards, and I could have shot him, but he was quartering two and wouldn't stop. And I didn't want to grunt at him, make him stop, and let him know I was anywhere around. Uh, I probably just lost my chance. You know, it's the closest I had him all year. And uh, I I sat around there and thought about it all night. I said, I don't think I'm going to go in the morning early. I'm going to wait and go in there about lunch because uh, it was the weekend and all the duck hunters was out and about running the river constantly. And that always keeps the deer still till about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I told her, I said, do you want to go? And, she said, yeah, she'll go. I said, well, I'll put you over there in that stand where I just seen you, Matt, and uh, I'll go sit on the other end. And, you know, last minute come around, she didn't want to go, couldn't go. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and go. And this was at 10 o'clock. Well, I put in at the boat ramp about 10.30. I got down there at my spot about, uh, it takes me about 30 minutes or so to get down to where I park at and walk in. I got down there and got up in my stand and, I, I got seven or eight cameras from where I park at to where my stand is. And I, I checked those on my way in. I got up there in my stand and was going through my pictures, looking at them. And uh, I referenced back and forth to my pictures that I've got saved of him to see uh, what, you know, what days he come in there and what time on those days and try to try to pattern him the best I can on a time frame. And uh, I just happened to notice I probably got my stand at about 1130 or so, and I just had noticed on top of my iPad it said 150. I was like, holy cow, I've sat here and looked at these pictures this long. I said, I better, you know, it's getting it's getting right. It's getting prime time. I better pay attention to what's going on here. And I no longer turn around, put my iPad back in my backpack, and sit down maybe five minutes tops. And then uh, here comes some does coming across that water, and they were just wading that water easy. They wasn't in no rush. They was just slipping right through the water, and, there's a big 10-pointer in there that's probably 160 to 165-inch 10-pointer that I've been watching pretty close. And I thought, well, if he comes up here and gives me a good shot, I'm going to go ahead and shoot him. And sure enough, he walked right there up underneath the platform I stand. And I'm hunting out of a climber stand, a summit. And I look through my platform looking at him. He walks out a little ways. and He's probably about 12 or 15 yards from me. And he's kind of quartering two towards my stand a little bit. And uh, standing right in front of a trail camera, I had getting pictures of him the whole time. 
And uh, I stand up, grab a bow, and draw back on him. And I'm just waiting on him to take that one step to the side, and I'm going to shoot him. And I hear something running in water, and I just draw back. I just look over on my sh- over my left shoulder, and I see a doe running through the water in that slough. And right behind her, I just see a big white cap, a splash, running behind her. And I can see that deer's rack over the top of that white cap of water. I was like, holy cow, that's a big boy. I said, this is going to this is gonna turn into something different right here, you know. So I let down my bow and turn around and <clears throat> face their direction where they're coming from. And he runs in with that doe the same way that he's always been. And uh, I don't know if that 10-pointer that took those three does from him or, or what the case was, but every time I seen him, he had three does with him. And those three does was with that 10-pointer. And when he come through that water, he was just a one doe. And they walked in there. <clears throat> it's real thick in there where I hunt in the brush and stuff. And he walked right in there at the edge of that brush, walking the edge of that ridge. And uh, him and that buck, that 10-pointer, they probably got, I don't know, 15, 20 yards apart from one another and just recognized each other was there, smelt each other was there, whatever the case was. And they just started grunting back and forth to one another. The big buck grunted at the 10-pointer first. And then the 10-pointer grunted back at him. And once he grunted back at him, it was on, man. It just flew all over him. His hair stood up. His ears laid back. And he just went to tear in the woods apart. Everything around that he could grab, you know, get his rack on, he was just slinging around, tearing it up. And uh, I watched him <clears throat> rub one tree. He walked up a few more steps, three or four steps, and rubbed another tree. And uh, that other buck grunted at him several times in a row. And uh, he just turned and started walking right over there to him. And he stepped out right there in front of me, and uh, I, I shot him for about 12 yards, and uh, he ended up being about 15. I shot him right in behind the right shoulder, shot him real high into the right shoulder, and it come out on his left side and just kind of in his armpit, a little bit higher in his armpit. And uh, he hit the ground right there. I was shooting the muzzy 100-grain three blades, and uh, he hit the ground right there and spun around on the ground a few times. And, I try and look at that 10-pointer. He's just standing there looking at what's all going on, that deer kicking around on the ground. And uh, those three does, they ain't got a care in the world. They're standing out there about 25 yards from me. And uh, they're just kind of looking around doing the same thing, what just happened, you know. And uh, they stand around there for probably another 30 seconds or a minute or so and just start easing off. Well, when they ease off, that 10-pointer just fell right in behind them and eased off. And I try and look down there at my deer. And uh, he was facing away from me at that time, you know, just laying on the ground. And uh, I was scared to death that something he might he might get up and get away, and I not ever find him, you know, get in the river and the slough. So I leaned down and find me a good spot through some tree limbs I could shoot, and I shot him one more time in behind the ribs. And that last shot, you could just tell, you know, it got up into his cabin. You could hear a big sigh, and that was it. And I called my wife, and uh, I said, I just shot big boy. She said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. Right here, I stand you was going to sit in this afternoon. This was at 2.44. Wow. And uh, I told her, I said, you need to get in my other boat and come down there. And I said, I want some pictures of this deer. I think it's the biggest one I've ever killed. And uh, she's like, I can't come down there and whatnot by myself. I won't never find you. And I said, well, go get uh, Chad, which is her, my father-in-law, her stepdad. And uh I said, y'all come down here to the river, and I'll meet you on the bank. Uh, you'll be able to see me, and I'll take you in there to him. Well, I waited a couple hours, and they finally got down there, and <clears throat> we went in there and seen the deer. and Oh, just the excitement out of everybody, you know, him and her and me, all of us. They all knew I was after that deer. Uh, neither neither one of them knew exactly what deer I was after. I, I'm real particular on <laughs> On stuff like that, because if any, I'm afraid if anybody knows or anybody finds out, it's going to be worse than it already is, you know. And uh, after it was all over, she's like, was that the deer you was after? I said, yeah, and I went to show them both of them pictures and stuff. And uh, they're like, holy moly, I had no idea. And uh, it just all all come together perfectly. You know, it couldn't happen any better. I don't think that if that other buck was in there, I mean, who's to say if I'd ever got a shot at him or not? Because he come in there the exact same way every time. He he had been in there three times before that where I've drawn back on him. He come in the same direction in the same spot and took that same trail. And uh, I think that other buck just helped me out. It was it just all worked out perfectly. Man, props to you for not 
just <laughs> slinging it on that that ten pointer too early, man. That'd have been tragic to yeah. do that. And then you look to your left, you're like, ah, oh, man. Well, well, right there where I'm hunting at, it's uh, <clears throat> you don't if you second guess yourself, I just don't even shoot. You know, if I look at it and be like, well, yeah, but no, uh, I just don't even take a chance because I got that slough on one side and the river on the other side and. There's too many good deer in there to take a chance of not finding him. Him getting in the river, drowning or swimming down river, and you not finding where he comes out or getting on the other side of that slough because it's it's real deep. Um, I just don't take a chance unless it's perfect, you know. And once I got him home and got him skint and everything, I found out when I one of those blades on that muzzy just barely cut the bottom of his spine. It you know it was, it was such a hard down shot that it uh. That it went in right where his back makes the round, where it comes off the flat of his back and makes the round down his side. It went in right there, and one of those blades just barely nicked his spine and uh, come out down low, and it got both lungs. It got the top of one and the bottom of the other, missed the top side of the heart. But uh, come find out, I didn't even need to shoot him that second time, but I just wasn't going to take a chance. I don't blame you, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've shot one other big deer in there, and he was a mainframe 12-pointer. And I shot him kind of quartering away, and ever since then, I never found him. Another guy ended up finding him a few weeks later, and uh, that deer crossed the slough on me twice, two different times. I, I had a, hired a dog to come in from South Arkansas and help me trail him, and uh, he crossed the slough on me twice, and I never was able to find him, and another guy found him. I'm like, well, I'll never, I'll never do that again. I'll never shoot at one unless I'm 100% sure that I got a good shot on him. I'm going to say it don't take long to, you know, or very many circumstances to, to learn something like that. I mean, especially you get, you know, big deer involved, like e- even on just, you know, a good buck, like, you know, we're out there, we're trying to do the right thing and we want a clean ethical harvest and, you know, you d- you just want the animal to go down and, and, you know, it'd be over. That's right. Yeah. If I, if, if I'm not a hundred percent sure that I'm going to get him, I'd rather not even shoot him, you know? Uh, I'll take my chances of meeting up with him again or, or not getting him at all. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with you 100% on that, man. And especially with you, with all that water around, that's something that we don't have to deal with. You know, we might have a creek where we might be hunting next to a river, but you got, you got you know, giant rivers, sloughs, you know, it just, that would be real hard to track a deer through that kind of stuff, so... I 100% agree with you there. You got to make sure it's a real quick, clean, ethical shot to to get it down as quick as possible before, like you said, it goes across the slough, and then you might find blood on the other side. But then if he goes across again, then you're hunting a ghost at that point. You know, it's yeah. damn hard to find well, them. But it is- what I found out about them deer crossing the slough is most of the time when they come up out of the water, they've got so much water on them also you won't find another drop of blood until you get out of his shaking area, you know, where he's come up out of the water and he shook off and he's walked another good 20 yards before he starts bleeding again. And yeah. It's it's hard to pick that back up. I was going to say that, that's what I was going to ask is, is, you know, the way that you describe that water is, you know, they're just kind of, you know, basically swimming across. So I just, you know, envision, you know, you're being able to see from the neck up. So, you know, any wound that you're going to have from an arrow is going to be, you know, washed away, clean, saturated. And then, you know, like you said, they're going to have to get up there, shake, get the blood flowing again. And I mean, that's got to be a tough task, you know, in general. Right. Well, uh, that time of year for us, you know, we get a lot of rain and the river backs up and slows back up. Uh, The part of the slough that they got to swim is probably not, but about 50 feet wide. but you're talking 100 yards on each side of that slough is underwater, uh, knee deep to the deer or more. You know, some of it's chest deep, uh, depending on how far the water's backed up. Wow. But that, that's uh, that's my favorite time to get in there. I try to hunt the water because a lot of them big deer, they'll stay around that water and in that water. They feel safe. They'll find them a little island to get on or they'll find them a big root wad to get up on and get up out of the water and they can see and hear everything that comes anywhere close to them, you know. And uh, I've watched many of them. People come in or come down from the river and park and spook the deer and, hit, and them not even know the deer's there. And he'll come slipping through the water pretty close to me and he won't hardly make any ripples. Uh, it's just wild of how stealthy they are, even in water. Wow. And that'd be pretty cool I, to see. Yeah. I've been hunting them 
in a lot of spots and there'd be ducks all out in the water and you just see the ducks start swimming off and you're looking right at the duck swimming off and looking that same area and you can't see nothing and you pick up the binoculars and look and all you see is the the chest and the top of the back of a butt walking through the water and the ducks are just swimming away from him you know and uh them ducks give them away a lot yeah, that's, but that's, that's awesome so yeah. i'm so you're going in on a boat so i'm assuming were you doing that for access reasons or did you have to go in that way uh you can you can go in a few different ways uh but boat access is the best way really and uh it always worked out for me because i always hunted that area right there with a southeast wind and coming in with a boat i can park right there and walk straight into the wind and with walking straight to my stand wind in my face and and not ever have to worry you know uh if, if it changes around on me i'll go in a different direction i'll come in from the other side where the slough is or um there's different ways uh that boating in right there in that area is, is the best way for me to get in there and, and have success when you had first come back um back home and started hunting in october you had said you'd went to this first location check cams and he wasn't there was that where you had seen him during the summertime uh all different times he had a very wide home range um I had 21 cameras out after this deer, and uh, I had 19 of them in, in one small area. I mean, I'd go in there and check cameras, and my wife would ask me, why you got so many cameras so close together? I said, well, he's just hard to pinpoint. I'm trying to figure out his exact route, you know, and the, the best way to get on him. And at, at all them cameras, there would be only eight or nine of them that I would get him on consistently, and some of them might not be 20 yards apart from one another. Mm-hmm. He just was, he was smart. He took his own route and then figure out what worked for him, and he just never changed it, you know. We had that happen. Yeah. We ran cameras, what, 60, 70 yards apart, yeah. and some bucks would be boom, boom, and some bucks would be boom, and then vanish out of thin end. You're talking about like a mode trail, like directly <laughs> to where you would think, like, would he go through yeah. this thick-ass brush, or would he go straight down right there and then take hang a right, Yeah, you know, at night, you know what I mean? And, I mean, and, we're talking 50, 60 yards tops. Yeah, and never, never once got a picture of him on that second camera. Nope. So. Um, I found out with him that a lot of the beat-down trails was the does that he was with, and he would always walk about 10 to 12 yards off to the side of where they walked. Them does would stay on that trail and just beat it down. He, he he would always walk 10 or 12 yards off of that trail through the thicker stuff. And uh, actually, when I caught him doing that, I actually put two cameras on the same tree, one facing one way and one facing out the back of the tree. And uh, I'd get the does on the front of the tree and get him on the back of the tree. <laughs> we, talked, we talked about doing that yeah. a bunch. Like yeah. We were like, man, we need two cams here because yeah. we know that we're missing so much. You know what I mean? But it's just hard to yeah. – to dedicate i mean and the, it is it is and i've always told myself if it's good enough for one it's good enough for two if it's good enough for two it's good enough for three <laughs> i like your style That'd man yeah yeah but yeah i mean we've talked about on here before you know trail cams only tell you part of the story you know and you go hunt a location and you see the deer moving a different way and you're like didn't even get on cam but there's deer here yeah. you know i just seen six deer none of them on cam so, you know, you, you think your spot's junk, but it's actually half-ass decent. And you're like, you know, I need to pay a little bit more attention and not rely so much on my cams. Yeah. And uh, I, I started changing this year. Um, I started changing a lot of my cameras over to video on 30-second video because there's one camera Ooh. that was almost right under my stand. It's just two or, two or three trees over from my stand. And I pretty well keep it on 15-second video all the time. And uh, it takes good videos, and I have better luck out of it like that. And I, I just leave it like that. And I was sitting there in my stand, and uh, I watched uh, these three does come through, and then I watched him come through. And I get down after I start heading back to the boat, and I change that card out and uh, go home, watch that video. There's him does on there, but guess what? He wasn't on there. I said, I just watched him walk right by, you know. And that 15-second video cut off right before he walked by. So I changed that camera to 30-second video, and I got twice as many deer that I ever had on 15-second. <laughs> it was like like 15 was just barely not enough. Yeah, we did that. We finally Dude. switched to video mode, and it's a game-changer. It takes a long way. 
long to go long through yeah. yeah to go through the videos but like you yep. get those blank pictures there is no blank pictures in a video like there's always something that eventually goes through there you <laughs> right. know what i mean yeah, so right. we burned about a quarter tank of gas checking cams yeah. on a property for video mode <laughs> yeah you know like yeah. there's it's just a it takes a while to go through but it's so worth it and you get to see the demeanor of the deer and like on a picture you don't get to see the whole story. So like we will see a deer like, oh, he came in here, but then he took a hard right, you know, t- five five yards in. Right. And the picture, it looks like he's, oh, he's just going straight straight through, you know, he's going to uh-huh. end up down here. But on the video, you're like, oh, well, he's actually going, he was going south and now he's going east. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's switching to video mode is huge, but you have to have a, a solid enough camera that is decent on batteries for one and for two that does decent video at nighttime and that's the hard part like video in the day is okay the video at night where it's not blown out and grainy is is tough yep and uh another thing video helps me with is try to figure out exactly what the deer are doing in that area you can tell on video whether he's traveling you know whether he's got something in mind where he's going somewhere or if he's just kind of loafing and feeding around and if he comes back two or three times all pretty close together you know um you know if the deer gets out of the video a little bit you can still kind of see his rump and he turns around and stops and comes back again you know he's just in there moseying around and loafing and feeding he ain't really no rush he's not he's he don't have somewhere else in mind he's not just traveling through your spot your spot is actually home range to him you know we figured that out this year too on what chaos every time you get him on camera yeah. He's got a mission. Like yeah. we got a buck we named Chaos, and every time we get him on video, he is he's moving. Like he's got an yeah. idea where he's going. He's not just browsing, just chilling. You know, he's he's got an idea where he's going. So that's a good point. We realized that too. We never brought it up on the podcast when in video mode, like you said, you got a buck that's coming in. He's just kind of browsing, milling around. You're like, okay, he's really relaxed here. He's just kind of doing his thing. Yeah. You know, and. And if I feel like if you get a buck that's got that mentality of he's hauling, you know, he's and you're like hunting the next day, he's not even there. Like no. he's on a yeah. different property, you know. I mean, he's he's done move. He's looking for a doe, or he's moved on, got an idea where he wants you, to go. And when you do see him, you know what's about to happen. You know, he's not sticking around. He's just going to travel through. So uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen quick. So you need to choose your shot wisely. You know. Yeah, that's another good point. I didn't even think about and, that. Uh, yeah, I need to hang out with this guy for a week. <laughs> I probably learn a lot. <laughs> if he just kind of hangs out in there and moses around, and he comes up very close, and you don't get a shot, well, don't don't rush it. You know, he might he might stick around for another thirty minutes. He might give you uh, a half a dozen different shots uh, to make it happen. You just don't rush it. But in your case, like chaos, he's just traveling all the time, just going through. He's got something else in mind. When you see him and he's in range. And you got a good shot, you better take it because that might be your only one. Yeah, I feel like that's the case with him. Yeah, see, that, that's what we haven't done yet. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him. We haven't had him in range. <laughs> Two years, man. The guy's a ghost. He's a. But if you if you hung out with this guy for a week or just talked to him for yeah. a week straight, you'd have three trail cams on a tree. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He talked you into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We need to run two trail cams on a tree, man. We need. We just need to invest a lot of money in trail cams. Yes. <laughs> We'd actually start yeah. killing on deer, but but. Um, uh, one thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, your mental aspect going into hunting this deer. You know, you, you hunted him for over a month, and, you know, obviously you finally got it done. But, you know, I want to talk about, like, your your mental approach to this hunt, like, from November 5th through the 12th, like, for that week time range. Um, you know, how did you stay motivated to, to get up every morning and go after him? Man, it's just it's just what I love to do. It's just a passion of mine. I I don't know if I could ever uh, say, well, I I'm tired of it. I ain't going. You know, if if I get that, if I get that, I, I go somewhere else. I don't not go. I I usually hunt every single day. Um, I might not hunt daylight till dark. It depends on what the deer is, how they're acting, you know, what the movement is. And sometimes I might not even go until ten o'clock. But if if I don't go till 10 o'clock, I, I said all day. Um, I usually try to do that. You know, if I if I get in there real early before daylight, it's I'm after something that's coming through at 8 o'clock. 
But if he's not on my camera at eight o'clock or earlier, I'm not in there till at least 10. Yeah, I, th I think that approach is becoming a lot more popular. Um, you know, more stories like this coming out, people talking about, you know, especially during the rut, you know, just like I said that, you know, November 5th through the 12th time frame, you know, that 11 to 1, 11 to 2, um, that midday movement, um, you know, Co Cody and I experienced that, you know, out on public this year. Um, we, we had a solid 125, 130, 10-pointer um, come through cruising in on us at, you know, like 115 in the afternoon. And, you know, most guys are, are packed up or just getting out to the stand for their afternoon sit. And um, that that time can be very very good if if you're in the right area yep and uh especially public ground you know um 80 of majority hunters they only want to put in about six to eight hours you know so uh if you if you take a guy that's got up at four o'clock to come down there and put his boat ramp in at five or six well i don't expect him to hunt past ten because about six hour mark, he's burnt out. You know, he's ready to go back home, get him some lunch, breakfast, wherever the case may be, and come back for an afternoon hunt, which is going to be around two o'clock, you know? Yeah. And uh, a lot of them deer, you know, they've evolved just like everybody else, and they figured that out. They know uh, how fresh the sin is in there, how long you've been in there, about how long you've been gone. And them deer, they listen to them boats. Uh, they're not scared of the boats by no means, but they've patterned the boats to the people just like we have the deer you know uh I, they're uh I, I give them more credit than most people just because i sit there and i watch and i just sit there throughout the whole day and just watch what happens and listen to boats go by and listen to people come in and out and most of the time we'll have deer all over me and i'll just watch how the deer react to them people coming in and out what they do how they react to a boat coming by you know and uh that's what I look for as when when I come in and out, and I've I've watched it many times of people coming in and out and boats going by and in and out, and the deer wherever they're at, they'll just kind of get over to a thicker part of the brush or they'll get behind a big tree and and watch. They'll just stick their head out the other side and they'll watch the boat go by or they'll watch the guys walk by that's walking down the road, you know, looking around scouting, and uh, once they go by, the deer just go back doing their own thing. Yeah, you know, that, and that, like, that's, you know, props to you for recognizing, you know, behavior like that, being out there at the time, you know, whether it be duck hunters or deer hunters, you know, going up the river and, you know, recognizing the, the deer behavior and, you know, using that to your advantage. And like for Cody and I, we have um, at our public spot, you know, they, they have early season access and then they close it down to the lake. And, you know, that adds like three quarters of a mile to our access on top of, you know, just short of a mile back to where we want to hunt. And, um, you know, them doing that really lowers the numbers of hunters when it gets good. So, you know, if you're willing to put in that extra work, like, you know, you can be successful, but you have to be out there in order to do it. That's right. Yep. And, um. Uh... I don't know if y'all know much about Northeast Arkansas, but the rivers up there are all pretty small rivers, and they're not very deep, but they're just rough. They got a lot of trees in them. They got a lot of logs in them, and uh, a seven-mile boat ride in a river like that is a really long boat ride, and most people don't want to. They don't want to make that ride. They 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 might make it four or five times, half a dozen times, and they'll kind of get burnt out on it. Yeah, I mean, that, like I mean, I, I like could see, man, you're out there at 4 a.m., it's cold, you know, you're trying to get in there on on a buck, and and you're you're doing that, and then not a, not like, you know, when we're walking out, like, when you get to the truck, you get to the truck, well, this guy's got a load his boat, you know, adjust stuff for the ride home, strap down his boat, like, there's a lot of work that you got to do even after you get done, um, and uh you know, you're taking a climber. So you're that climber. Will you bounce around trees quite a bit or, and just hunting in the same area or, uh, I got several climbers. Um, I got lock ons all throughout that set of woods there. And I use climbers here and there, but, uh, right there on that Ridge where I hunt at, I've killed lots of big deer out of that same tree. And I don't put anything in there that stays stationary. I take it in and I take it out because, um, it's a really good spot. 
but the deer they they figure all them stands out pretty quick and i've I've learned that they deer figure them out and also people figure them out we've talked about like hanging sticks and leaving them but i'm I'm like man someone's gonna see these sticks and be like god there's people hunting here like it's probably decent (laughs) you know (laughs) so that's always in my back of mind like if we it would be so much easier if we just had sticks up like if you're using this you know you're hanging a, a strap on stand every uh-huh. every time if you just had the sticks up to walk in there it would save you 30 minutes you know what i mean like right. but i feel like prepping the tree and making it look like no one's been there if you mm-hmm. can you know what i mean or right. at least not having the sticks where someone's back there like oh shit there's already sticks here i'll just throw my stand up i'm ready to go you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean i feel right. like you're doing the work for a lot of other people too it's not so. a gold mine here yeah. the sticks are here <laughs> the sticks <laughs> are here the st- so you know they uh I've, I've, it's, I've hunted down there since 2014 and i've only seen one person in there and that was on camera and uh, i knew who he was and i asked him what he's doing in there and stuff and he, he was lost <laughs> perfect be like man i ran a camera back there for years i ain't seen nothing good and you know that guy that's lost on cam he's like i'm never coming back here yeah, no, yeah, he's like, I, said, yeah. he said, I won't never go back in them woods again he said i get lost every time i go i go in there and uh, i said and the whole time you ain't 100 yards off the river you just don't know it you know he yeah. said i got so turned around in there that day i ain't never going back in there perfect and be then, like oh man i ain't seen nothing back there for years i just like the area yeah <laughs> that's what i tell yeah. everybody i know why do you hunt over there man i just i just i just like the vibe that's over there man ain't killed <laughs> shit but i, I just like it nothing i just like i just like going back there so and uh, there's a there was two other people that was after that deer pretty hard and only one of them uh knew about the deer like i did watched him knew he was there all the time and he actually hung out over there on their property a lot and uh another guy just found out that the deer was there and he was hunting him but he he didn't really know what he was hunting you know he was hunting that deer because he'd seen pictures of him from somebody else but uh he's one of the like normal deer hunters you know he's a weekend deer hunter and he'd come in hunt two or three days and he'd leave and He'd call me, ask me if I seen him, or text me, ask me if I seen him. <laughs> no, one man. Time, Ain't seen him for months. <laughs> <laughs> one time I was actually sitting in the tree looking at the deer, watching him walk through the woods. And uh, he texted me and asked me if I seen him. And that kind of weirded me out. I was, I was like, well, <laughs> Whoa, I, this I guy is watching me right now. And he's, and he's looking at him, too, you know, and seeing what I'm going to tell him. And, uh, I thought, no, I ain't seen him today. <laughs> uh, I mean, the guy did not even tell his wife. No. That he's chasing a giant. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, usually, usually if you find anything out like that for me, it's already after the fact. It's done <laughs> that's up, like, done that's a good way to keep it, man. Yeah. Props to you, you for chase... being able to keep that under wraps. Yeah. Like, I mean, my wife can, don't uh... know the deer. Like, she knows, like, if we have a name for it or, you know, I, I'm chasing the 12-pointer or whatever. She might look at the pick, but other than that, like she don't care. But I've at least told her about it because I'm jacked up. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? You're like I'm hunting big boy. He's big. I'm not gonna tell you how big, but he's just big. He's just a big yeah. deer, right? <laughs> I tell her, I was like, you know, uh, he's the fifth deer over 170 inches that I've killed, and I've told you if I tell you that I'm gonna kill a big deer, you ought to know he's gonna be big. You know, that's a, that's all there is to it. And she's like, well, you know, sometimes I just don't know. And uh, I, I got a 223 acre farm that's not far from there, from the river. It's it's actually right on the river, just a different piece of it. And uh, I killed a deer down there on 17. That was a uh, 186. And uh, she 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 thought that deer wasn't big. You know, it was big, but it wasn't big. Uh, I guess when you don't deer hunt a lot, you see elk and you deer <laughs> and stuff. Like, well, that's not that big. That ain't that big. I seen elk <laughs> yeah. yesterday. That was 360. Right. <laughs> I, I told her, I said, uh, that's a big deer. You know, it's a whitetail. And uh, when I see big deer at my farm, I tell her I don't hunt down there much anymore. I leave it for her and my boys. I was like, well, you got a big deer down her farm. If you want to go hunting, well, she'll go hunting for two or three days. And she'll get burned out on it. She'll quit. I said, well, that's it. You know, to be after him, to kill him, you got to stay after him. I said, three or four days ain't enough. Every deer that I've killed that's a good deer i've been after him for 15 20 days 25 days 30 days you know almost consecutive days i said it just don't happen uh you got to put it together just as well as he's got to put it together you know yeah man it's hard it's hard to 
props to you for picking a deer and going after it, man. That, yeah, that's, that's that's something. Like I've I've done that and been successful, but there's always like me, like you're like oh, that ten pointer come by, you know, and that's what happens to me. Another buck comes by and I'm like <laughs> swacker, you know what I mean? But but yeah. uh, it's t- like I've never felt like I had a deer pinned down like you had this where you see him three times. Every giant that I'm hunting. I either see him one time and I kill him, or I see him one time and I never see him again. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Well, last year I, I set my mind on him, you know, and I got started getting a lot of pictures of him during the daytime and stuff, and moving around a lot with different does, different bucks. I, I told myself, I said, well, if I don't kill him now, I'll kill him next year because right, I can't. Uh, my schedule I had in South Florida, I was doing. Uh, I couldn't just leave and hunt him like i could like i wanted to and i told myself i said well i'm just gonna quit hunting him i'm gonna leave him alone i'm gonna let him have his area back and i'm gonna kill him next year and uh it happened and uh i've been watching another deer for the last two years year before last and last year and then this year and this year man he, he's just an eight pointer mainframe eight pointer but he really blowed up this year he's he's a giant eight pointer so next year that's gonna be the one i'm gonna be after every day I'm friends with you on Facebook now. I'll be watching <laughs> for sure. I want that text message yeah. to be like, "I got big boy." I'm be like, "Yes." <laughs> you won't. You won't see nothing from me on Facebook. Most times it's everybody else. Nah, yeah, I seen that. I went to your page and there wasn't much there, but you had a lot of shares of other stuff. So hopefully, I've when had, you get it, I've had a lot of people uh, take stuff from me on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, so, we get that too. Pain in the I ass, did. man. People, you post a picture and someone shares it on their yeah. page. No cred. Yeah. No cred. And you're like, ah, yeah. oh, well, come on. I've had other, I've had a lot of pictures taken from my Facebook and put on other websites and people crop different things in them and put yourself <laughs> in them and stuff. And, uh, so if it's anything for me, it's on my Instagram. You oh. know, I don't, I don't put anything on Facebook. Man, I don't, that's where I'm slacking. I don't follow oh, you on Instagram. Geez. I'm going, going to fix that right now. Is it, <laughs> is it Preston Hall? Yeah, it's okay. uh, Preston Hall 90, I believe. All right, perfect. If the listeners want to follow you, that's where to get you at, Preston <laughs> Hall I, I killed a pretty good deer up in uh, about central Missouri several years back, about 2013. He was a mainframe 10-pointer and had two good stickers on him. And uh, I caught him on somebody else's page, and the guy had himself in there with him. And uh, I asked him about it, and I sent him a whole bunch of pictures about it. And, or of the deer and stuff, and there wasn't no doubt it was the same deer. <laughs> well, uh, I won't ever put nothing on Facebook again. Yeah, man. Facebook's savage. I did that with the 193 I killed, and Cody claimed it and put his, his face on it. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many peace people's faces have been on that deer oh, just dude, as a it's joke. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that's funny you said that because that big deer I killed, uh, my father-in-law was down there with me, you know, and was taking pictures and whatnot. And uh, we got a picture of my father-in-law holding my deer. And uh, I, I took that deer after I killed him to down there to the river cabins where some of my buddies was hanging out that knew about him and stuff. And I had to go rub it in her face, you know, and show him to him. And uh, the guy that lives across the road from them showed them a picture and said, hey, uh, my, look at this deer my buddy just <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at the picture and it was my father-in-law and that deer he said that he said he didn't kill that deer he said yeah he did i, I know him, this guy such and such and he said no that's this guy's deer right here he said it's laying right there in that boat you don't go look at it <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes man i would say stuff gets out fast man shoot a big yes, buck it, it gets out there but what when I come out to the river, when uh, me and my wife, my father-in-law, I, I got a little deer cart that I put them on, you know. And uh, when I when I went to meet them at the river, I looked at my deer and looked him over, you know, and I left my bow with him right there and walked out to the river to meet them and got my clothes changed and stuff because I'm real particular on my hunting clothes and my scent and all that. Um, my clothes leave my scent bag, go on my body, walk to my stand walk back to the boat and that's all that's the only time they get worn It's from the boat to the stand and back and uh i changed my clothes at the boat grabbed my cart went back to the, the deer and left my cart at the deer and come back and waited on them by the river and just just pacing you know just anxious ready to get the deer out of there and kind of nervous somebody's gonna see me running down the river you know and whatnot and uh i get the boat out or get the deer out to the edge of the river and get him in the boat and i hear a boat coming down the river oh man and, uh, <laughs> i hurry up and jump in the boat i ain't got time to 
Okay. He's just throwed in there. My cart's upside down. And uh, I hurry up, jump in the boat, fire it up, and just take off as fast as I can go down the river and get as far as I can away from my normal spot. And uh, here come that boat, you know, and they seen him. And when they passed me, uh, they were just – both guys in the boat was breaking their necks looking over at that deer, you know. And they slowed down and turned around and fired me back to the boat ramp. And next thing I know, before I get to the boat ramp, I got five boats behind me following me wanting to see this deer. And uh, I get to the ramp and – park my boat there and go get my pickup truck and when i come back to back my boat and boat trailer in the water there's all kinds of people standing around my boat taking pictures of that deer talking about him you know and whatnot and before i could make it 15 minutes down the road the deer was already on facebook and the arkansas game and fish had done called me wanting to look at that deer wow damn it uh, i met them at the school and they looked at him and thought, man that's the giant that's the biggest deer that's ever come off this ground you know and it probably will be the biggest and uh you know we've heard a lot about him we've seen a lot of pictures of him from the biologists and stuff uh we we never thought anybody'd get him you know and it, one thing about it is that i don't think the deer is very old when i look at pictures from last year of him when he was a mainframe 10 with split brows i say three and a half four and a half every picture i look at him and then uh his body size this year you know wasn't very big his hide wasn't very thick he had thin hair uh, real healthy looking deer. I don't. I don't figure he was a day over five. He just. Uh, he just had good genetics. And yeah, man. It. If they're gonna be big, I feel like they're big by five. You know what I mean? Yep. I feel. And I feel, but I mean, we had Clint on, and he, it was a three and a half, one eighty. Yeah, right? So, man, it's it's hard. It's hard to know, but uh, to yeah. you. So you just dig in there and send the jaw in. Someone needs to do over here. I feel like you yeah. don't need a new bow. You don't need a new camo, new sight or nothing. You just need a faster damn boat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, that that river hunting, I mean, that's the way of life to me. I, I've got a, a prime time farm. It's got good deer on it. Got a lot of deer on it. But I just can't seem to pull my pull myself off them river deer. I just... I love hunting in river bottom. Well, it seems like you got her figured out, so I wouldn't. I are wouldn't... A, are a lot of the bucks down there as dark horned as this one was? Yeah, mo- most good bucks that are you know in the one sixty plus range and hang out in them in them sloughs a lot and down in the in, mud. The, in the dark part of the timber during the summer, you know, they all end up pretty well chocolate horned. Uh, Man, that's awesome. It, yeah, it depends on how much time the deer stand, spends out in the field during the daylight hours, is what I've been told. Uh, if he goes up in a field in a bean field and lays up, you know, and beds up in a bean field during the summertime, it'll make his antlers a lot lighter. But if he hangs out in the timber until later in the afternoon and don't come out in the fields until you know dusky dark and stuff, they'll just stay dark all the time. Cause they oh. don't have a lot of direct sunlight on them a lot. That very well could be. I've never heard that, but that makes a lot of sense. I I I've always heard it's what they rub, but yeah, around here you're like, right. how can one deer be chocolate and one deer be the other? But they're all probably rubbing the same trees. You know, we ain't got much variety around here. Everybody says, yeah. "Oh, well, he was rubbing cedar," and the other guys just yeah, you know, rubbing no one really oak. knows. But that makes more sense to me. Like, you know, if he's out in the sun, they're going to get bleached out because you yeah. see a, an antler that's shed that's out in the sun. Yeah, it's, it's white. It, it gets white, so that makes a lot of sense to me. And that can make sense why down there there's really no ag, a lot of dense, thick timber, and and uh, mm-hmm. they're just not getting a lot of sun. So it's uh, it, it's most definitely the summertime because you know in the spring and uh, like July and August when they really start putting on heavy horns, you know, and, and getting pretty close to finishing out, they all pretty well look the same. They all pretty well shed velvet the same. I mean, in uh, a day or two's time, the velvet will be gone on a lot of your mature bucks. And then a week later, your younger bucks will shed their velvet. And uh, it ain't, you know, mid-September, early October that you really start telling if they're bleached out. And you might have, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 different bucks on the same camera. And only the big mature ones that don't get seen a lot don't get hung out in the fields, get caught out in the fields a lot. They're the only ones that's dark. Man, that makes so much sense. I I literally learned some stuff from this episode. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, that makes really good sense to me why it is like that. I want to start telling people that. People are going to be like, man, you know a lot. I'm like, yeah, this guy from Arkansas taught me that. <laughs> but, yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense to me. Then, and uh, Because those big deer, they're not going to go out in the fields no. and stuff. And 
no and then yeah especially around here you got a lot of farmers doing different things or fields all throughout the day and i mean yeah you'll see some good good bucks eight pointers and ten pointers stuff whatever. but that that's them deer that's that ain't got no age on them you know they, they might be two and a half three years old or so and they'll lay up in the bean field all day if they get jumped up they just get jumped up but them big ones they only get jumped up so many times till they change their mind yeah, you know? for sure. Well, the last two years, I couldn't tell you what Chaos's color is because we can't see him during the daylight. <laughs> All I see is white at night when he's on cam <laughs> once a week. It, yeah. He'll mess up. He'll mess up. Because uh, the first year that I found out about this year, the, the big one I killed, I never had one daylight picture of him. And I, I mean, I had all kinds of pictures of him from like June and July all the way up until February when he started losing his horns. And, uh, Never once got him during the daytime. And then the next year, I got about 75% of his pictures at night and got a lot of daytime pictures. And then this year, it was just a half and half. Actually, after October, uh, to about, I guess about a week before Halloween, I started getting a lot of pictures of him during the day. And from September, you know, August to September, all of them was mostly at night. Man, you must have been getting tighter and tighter on them. And yeah. we've heard that a lot. Deer get older, they get tighter range, but then they get more, they feel like they got it, you know what I mean? So they might get a little yeah. more cocky to, to step out in the daylight, but they know the area that they can do it in, you know what right. I mean? And as long as no well, one's in there, it sounds like you're the only guy that's really in there messing around. And if you're solid on your sink control, they, they're they never getting bumped or anything anyway. So. Well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer on that because – there were several other people had pictures of him and all the other pictures was during the nighttime. And I had pictures of him and another buck that he always run around with a lot. Almost every picture all the way up until I guess, I guess it was about the 26th because uh, when he come in there that morning at eight o'clock when I had him on camera on the 26th, um, that buck that he normally runs with was on that camera at 11 and they wasn't together. He come in there at 8, the other buck was in there at 11. And on the 21st, I had pictures of both of them together. So they just split up from one another within a few days there. And uh, it, they was all during the daytime. I got I got pictures of one of them with his head down and that big one with his head up, like looking up in the trees. And they're, he's standing one right in front of the other, maybe 10 feet in front of my camera. Nice man. That picture. I mean, it's it's a beautiful picture. That's probably my favorite picture. Just good daytime, the sun shining right through the trees on them. It's just a good picture of them. Both yeah, of them. I love it when you get so many trail camp pictures, and it just makes you want to kill that deer so much more that right. you're putting the pieces together and yeah, and imagining the story in your mind. Like, okay, why is he there? What's the wind? There's just so much you can dive into and 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 learn, but. Man, I, this and, is this is a good good legend episode, man. I'm digging this. And uh, five feet uh, in the, my tree stand height, I think, made a lot of difference. Because I had a 25-foot rope on my climbing stand, and I'd always climb up until I hit the bottom of my rope, and I'd stop. And i screw in my little thing in a tree, i hang my bow on, and i screw in the other side where i hang my bag on. And uh, I'd have does come through there and smaller bucks, and they would bust me and blow or, or stomp off or nothing, but they would stop in their track and they'd look around you know like they heard something or just felt something wasn't right and they, you'd see them look up in the trees and stuff they'd just tell something something wasn't right their demeanor totally changed you know when they got up there within that 15 yard range and uh right there where i'm hunting that's your shot you know 15 17 you're not gonna shoot over 20 just because of all the limbs and the in the brush that's in there and uh because like, i'm gonna have to change something different i'm gonna see see what i can do so uh, that same afternoon, I just took my uh, stuff out of the tree and laid my bow across my lap and put my backpack on, and I went up another three or four strides. And I probably got up there around the 30-foot mark or 32-foot mark and uh, put my stuff back in the tree and hunted the rest of the day. And I seen all kinds of deer the rest of that day, and none of them acted like them deer in the beginning of the day did. They never come in and was walking good, then all of a sudden stopped in their tracks like they smelled something or got a wind or something. You know, just their demeanor just didn't change. And uh, I went to Orsland's. It's like a little farm store where I live at, kind of like Tractor Supply. And uh, I found me a rope that they had in there that was 30 foot. And uh, I tied that rope on my stand that night, went out and hunted the next morning, and I climbed all the way until I felt my bag pulling on me, come off the ground. 
and I put my stuff in a tree. And ever since then, when I started hunting with that longer rope, I could tell the deer just didn't have no idea or sense anything was going on in there. Just by the way they come in there, would stand on your stand and eat acorns and three or four deer that you never even seen would come out of the brush after the other ones are out there crunching on acres for a little bit. And uh, I was like, well, never th- thought five foot would make such a big difference, but I don't know if it's the, the wind graphs different in that extra five feet or, or what the case may be. I don't know, um, but it, it most definitely worked. We noticed that on public this year too, that we need to get higher. Yeah. We're kind of hunting in like a little bowl um where the the only tree that we can get a stand in is um so we're like man we need one more stick we need an extra five foot because i feel like the where the camera guy stand was is where the hunter needed to be and the camera guy needed to be higher so we're going to fix that next year and um and we were probably from the bottom we were probably 25 yeah but uh from where the deer were probably 20 you know 18 yeah Yeah, a little heel their own yeah yeah they're we're in like a, there's a bunch of like little swampy little pits out there and we're kind of in one of those and that's where basically a cottonwood seed had fallen, you know, a long <laughs> right. time ago and grew a tree yeah. and uh, other than that, it's kind of like just overgrown pasture and little hilly. It's it's weird terrain back in there, man. When you're in the tree, you got to kind of grasp over you're like, oh, yeah. I then you get on the ground, you're like, this is completely different than what I thought it looked <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> if you just drop what it took a guy back in there in the day, in the dark and put him in the stand, and you're like, all right, you're going to walk in this way and then walk out, he'd be lost as hell. He'd yeah. be like, I ain't got a clue where I'm at. <laughs> so, but, yeah. man, well, we appreciate you coming on and telling us the story of Big Boy. Uh, like I said, I actually learned quite a bit stuff from this that i'm gonna try man and uh it seems like you're you're really knowledgeable of uh whitetails and i'm excited to follow you on instagram and then see what you got going on through the year yeah yeah well uh follow me on instagram and uh maybe we can talk sometime next year and we might get to do another one if i if i get the deer i'm after next year hell yes yes we always love that return legend that'd be <laughs> epic yeah. man that's that was some solid legend <laughs> content right there. It wasn't bad. Wasn't bad, man. This guy, like I said, I mean, he's got five bucks over 170, and he's around our age. You just know when a guy's got, got his shit together and knows how to get it done on whitetails. And there's some tactics in this I know that our listeners can use to, to at least try and see if it benefits them. You know what I mean? No. But, man, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um like I said, we're going to keep these legend episodes coming. Um, we really enjoy them. We get to learn a lot, and uh, we get to meet a lot of cool people like this dude. You know, this is a guy sure. I'm going to follow and hopefully follow for the next 20 years and learn a lot from and see him crush some absolute giants. So get out there, pick up some sheds with your kids, take your dogs, leave a legacy, and wipe the legacies out. <laughs>